exciting, ripping texts that Steve had to read this morning. Thank you, Steve. And he did it with a straight face, too. I invite you to rise for the gospel, <laughs> which, which doesn't get much more enthusiastic. Uh, the gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Although I do feel that I will manage this text a lot better than I did last week. <laughs> this is the continuation of the same chapter. And we now have the parable of the talents. For it is this of a man going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one of his slaves he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. To the one who had received the five talents, went off at once, traded with them, made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. The one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know that you are a harsh man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was mine own with interest. So he took the talent from him and gave it to the one who had ten talents. And for all those who have more will be given more and they will have abundance but from those who have nothing, even they will have. What they don't have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing and the trauma inflicted of this reading. You may be seated. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day that you have given us. And I thank you in particular for people coming back. <laughs> it's always good to see people coming back, knowing that you have not bruised them too terribly. Today, as we get closer to the closing of this season, one more week to go, we ask that you would incline our hearts towards your instruction, that we might be able to hear you speaking to us uh, in these texts and have an opportunity to, to put into effect the way and the gifts that you have seasoned us with. So we ask that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, would be an offering to you and that you would find this offering pleasing. Bless, keep, and guide us, strengthen us, and provide for us opportunities to bear the light of Christ in season and out of season. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Parable of the talents. Okay, so... 
just a, a little bit of a quick sketch on the term of talents because the talent was a, a unit of measurement uh, in, in the ancient society. And I don't want to get too lost in the weeds, but that unit of measurement was equivalent to depending on which resource that you, that you read, uh, 150 to 160 denarii. Uh, and then the weight factor, a denarii was a day's wage, just in case you were wondering. And then the talent would weigh somewhere between 75 to 100 pounds. And some scholars have noted that the talent was referred to as the weight that a person could reasonably carry. So there's a there's sort of a metaphor in there as to the weight and the, 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 the burden of having a talent. Somewhere in the Middle Ages, 13th century, some sources say, did the talent go from a unit of measurement to one's gifts and abilities. Somewhere, uh, probably some preacher feeling very clever about themselves saying, let's call these talents gifts and abilities. And then that kind of just like sort of carried on. When we hear the term talent, when we hear someone who is talented, we think of their, their abilities, their aptitude at something, something that comes naturally from them. They have a talent to play the piano. They have a talent for words. They have a talent for a gift of gab. They have a talent for grifting. I don't know, whatever it is. But we recognize that there is an ability, a, a, a strong presence in the person to, to be able to shine in a certain area. So we have this parable of a master who is preparing to go on a very long, lengthy journey, but he summons his slaves together and gives them a certain measure of talents, each one according to their abilities. One receives five, one receives two, one receives one. Immediately, the first two slaves take what is given to them, take those, take that unit of measurement or, or worth, well, let's just call it their ability. And they go out into the world and they use that ability. And they use that ability, they, they risk. Because you have to risk when you put yourself out there. You have to say, well, I don't know if this is what the world wants, but this is what I want to share. And they go out there and they use those talents and they accrue greater ability. They show a propensity and, and they excel in the very thing enough that they are able to uh, accumulate more. We focus in on this third servant who takes that talent and, and hides it, buries it, goes and digs a hole in the field. And some uh, commentators on this passage says, do not be dismayed about the thought of taking a treasure and burying it in a field. They said that actually, that was really done. And it's not so much, argh, you know, the yellow pirates looking for the buried treasure, but people actually took precious things and would bury them in, in, in a field, you know, for safekeeping. It's before they had safety deposit boxes and Swiss bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. They, just, they had a field. I'll put it in the field. So that's what this individual does, not risking it, not going out there and, and, and trying to see if you could make good on it. Just, I'm just going to tuck it in the back. Now, if we want to look at that talent as being an ability, this is an individual who didn't take that ability that they were given and go out in the world and use it. I had a, a devotion that spoke about 
people's abilities. And the, the devotion was that thing that comes the easiest to you, the thing that, that, that just comes naturally to you, that thing that you don't even really have to study, you don't have to work at. It just, just that's what, we all have some ability that just comes to easy. Some people are just really good with figures. You know, they can just do that spatial math right in their head and the rest of us are like grabbing for a pencil and trying to go, what was that number again? I didn't get that. And everyone else is like, you know, spitting out the answers because they're just, they're, just, they're just good. They can just do that. They're just good with numbers. This author of this devotion says, that thing that comes easiest to you, that is your spiritual gift. That is the thing that you are, the, you are obligated to use and to share in the world because it requires almost nothing of you. You don't have to put effort into you. It's not going to rob you of sleep. It's not going to be head splitting. It just flows. So why wouldn't you want to take that thing that just naturally flows and use it to enhance your community. Why wouldn't you want to use that service, that, that propensity, that, that acumen that you have in you to go and to lay a blessing on others? So when the master returns and he finds that two of the slaves have been productive, they, they took that thing which was given to them and they went and they, 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 they took a chance, they took a risk. They said, we, we applied these talents in the world. And we actually gained more talent. We gained more ability. And the master's like, that, yes, this is what I wanted. Well done, good and faithful. Here, I'm going to put some more responsibility on you. I will give you some more attributes. I will give you some more opportunities for service. Enter into the joy of your master. You've done well. You've, you, you took the risk. You, 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 you rose to the challenge. You weren't afraid. You found courage, even though you didn't quite know if you had it, but you went out there and you did it. And then the third one comes forward, and I always get the sense of the individual sort of, sort of cowering, not making eye contact with, with the master, because they knew that you were cruel and harsh, and I knew that you would, would, would gather where you did not, you know, you'd harvest where you did not sow, and you would, you would, you would reap where, where you didn't scatter seed. And so here, here's what's yours. I dug it back out of the ground. I'm, I'm giving it back to you. I, I, it's so, <laughs> it is so insignificant to me that I didn't even dare to even use it. And we have this image of a very disappointed, just outraged, disappointed master who's like, I had faith in you and you didn't have faith in yourself. I... I gave you an ability. I gave you an incredible measure according to your ability, according to, to your propensity, and you did nothing with it. You didn't even, you didn't even want to, to just uh, uh, honor or amuse me in a way to say, what might I do with this? Like, even if you went out there and you lost it, that would have been doing something. And scholars have noted the the, the, the harsh nature of the master who was like, if you knew I was cruel and harsh, why didn't you invest my money with the banker so I could have what was my own with interest? They said that this does seem so out of character with the Jesus that we have come to know through the Gospels, the Jesus who wouldn't exact a punishment. But I think that what Matthew is trying to do is to drive home a, a very important point that we only have a really limited amount of time on this planet. I mean, uh, the, 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 the psalm that we had to this is we get maybe 70, 80, 80 years, right? 
with some hard work. And most of those are all weary and hardship anyway. So you got to love the way the old you know, the Hebrew scriptures just breaks it down. It's like, oh, yeah, you think your life's so good? And most of it's misery anyway. And we're like, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, I guess it is. And so, But there's that, that sense in which Matthew is saying, look, what, what is, what's the better challenge? To know that you have something to give, give it, risk giving it, even if it might not be understood, might not be well received, you might have to find some time to find your audience, to find a home for that gift, or to just never give it at all. And just act as if you, you never had a calling and you never had a part to play in this world. And so I could see the, I could see the disappointment in the master who was like, I believed in you. Why didn't you believe in yourself? I, I saw to it that you would not be empty handed. I saw to it that you would at least have something to offer the world. But you had to want to offer it. You had to want to go forth and to do this. Early in my pastorate in this particular place, I mean early, like the first few years early, I was receiving the question from individuals of what does God want me to do? You know, I don't get that question anymore because no one cares and they know I don't have the answer. But when I, when I, was, fresh, when I was fresh and new, I was like, ooh, new minister. Let's hit him up with all of our spiritual questions, right? Should we be cremated or should we be buried? That was a legitimate question. Yes, I still get that one from time to time. Mostly it's a cost factor, so most people are going to opt for cremation. So there, that's some free advice for you. Anyway, um, why should Josh Grau get all your money? Yes, I said that on, on live, live YouTube. It's okay, Josh is a friend. He understands that. He's getting lots of money. Anyway, the fact of the matter is, is that at the time, I didn't have the best answer. I knew God wanted people to do something. But now I fall back on the, my default answer, which comes from Micah 6.8. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. But also, I would like to tag it with this passage. If you have an ability, which we all do, there's no one in this room that doesn't have an ability, and if you have something that you enjoy doing, something that, that enhances your, your understanding of the world, something that can be shared, something that can bless someone else in some way, that can be of service, that can be of value, that can bring someone out of the doldrums, we are duty-bound to use that thing to bless our communities. We don't want to be like the individual who understands and recognizes that we have talent and that we have ability, and then we go and we hide. Because <laughs> we don't want anybody like, asking on us to do something. We don't want to have to volunteer, so we're just kind of over here hiding behind the scriptures. Because <laughs> right? I don't want anyone to have to say, hey, hey, we, we need you. I had three gentlemen in church today, right? They're just, coming, they're just coming to church. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I need a favor. They go, you, you need a favor right now? The bell hasn't even rung. You, you, you have something that requires me to do something right now? Thank you. You know who you are. But this is exactly what it happens when we put ourselves out there. Once we put ourselves out there, the world is going to recognize the need and the value. And, and, and they're going to have need of us. As disciples, 
as people who are sort of on the spiritual clock, we don't get to opt out. And there might be days when we don't feel like it. Probably a lot of days when we don't feel like being the people of God. But we are the people of God. And there are needs out there. There are prayer concerns. There are service opportunities. There are, you know, just being in the right place at the right moment to be able to offer words of affirmation to someone, to be able to hold a listening space so someone can unburden themselves. That's why I found that, that printout that Mary put in the, in the bulletins this morning so interesting, is that you read about it and you just, you just see that there's all of these excuses that a person could use not to come to church for fear that because your life is not in order, that well, I, couldn't, I, I can't go to church. I'm not presentable. I can't go to church. I, I've, I've, I've made some mistakes. I've, I've ruined some relationships. I've blown up some things. I, I can't possibly go into that space. What? Because everyone else is so spanky clean? Because everyone else has, has, has their game together? No, this is right where we need to be. Amongst the broken who still have hope, who still have possibility, who still want to hear that God says, oh, yes. And by the way, I need you. So don't bury your talent. Don't obscure it. Don't conceal it. Don't hide it. Don't run away. I ran away last week because I was like, I, don't wanna, I didn't want to force anyone to have to lie and say, nice message, Pastor. I was like, no, that's a, that's a, that's a lie because Pastor hated the message last week. So I know it, that you, if you come tell me, that's a good message. I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. This is a much better message, I think, because you'll probably be like, you know, right, right? But I feel more alive. I feel more alive because I am playing to the gift that was given to me and offering it to you, encouraging you to take your gift and to bless this world.